Welcome to the Creative Plan Podcast Network. Join us as we share our favorite RPGs, one-shot games, tabletop games, reviews of items, and convention panels, and other exciting things that we run into from time to time. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, assigned to Ragnarok Story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. So, um, summary of my sort of space adventures. And I was originally going to do like a bit of a thing about me punching space unicorns in the face and time I married the Queen of Neptune by accident. Uh, but I thought I would instead do it about something a bit more useful. And that's the last thing you come to me for is actually like useful advice. Um, but I got uh, a little piece I wanted to sort of talk about about the joy of art and creativity and how to find joy in a really fragmented and sometimes difficult world. Uh, do we have any arty people of any shape or form in the house? Any hands up for any kind of art? Okay, we've got a good selection. If you don't, don't worry, I've got that covered too. <laughs> it's going to be nice. Um, so... Oh, basically, just to summarise, there's going to be two themes running at the same time. The first theme is how to find joy and contentment through creativity. The second theme is whether it's possible to do an hour-long panel that you wrote exactly one hour before that panel began. <laughs> <laughs> so strap in and see if we can make this whole thing happen. Um, first thing I want to say when it comes to doing kind of creative stuff, um, you can achieve your dreams. Totally achieve your dreams. Um, do any kind of art or creative thing to achieve your dreams, particularly if you are willing to adjust your dreams in line with reality. <laughs> you can certainly do it. When I first started as a professor, the first one of the first things I ever did in America, I was still working as a teacher. Um, someone said, I sat down having breakfast with this American guy I didn't know, and I said, he said, How's it going? I said, it's good. I might start doing this for a living. I might start being a rapper for a living. And because he was American, he was like, Yeah! You can do it, you can live your, you can achieve your dreams. I didn't really know this guy. I thought, wow, that's amazing. That's great. Oh, I love America. It's so enthusiastic. <laughs> and I got back home and I told my friends, like, I'm thinking I might start being a professor for a living. And every single one of them was like, Oh, you already did your research. You can do that chance. You can, you can achieve your dreams, particularly if you don't want to get too crazy with them. Like, there's a lot of sort of um, pseudo-mystical hippie guff about that you can get anything from the universe that the universe will provide. I hate that idea. <laughs> <laughs> so much. Like, I don't know if anyone knows, there's a book called The Secret that came out a while ago. 
And it was all about the universe. It's like, you just wish upon the universe, it will provide you with everything you want. Uh, like, you deserve everything. Like, like, the universe cares about you. Well, it doesn't care about you. But you can, you can have anything you want, but you can't have everything you want. No one gets everything. Like, for example, I was thinking this morning, like, you can have anything you want. Like, if you wanted a Ferrari more than anything, even if you were really poor, you can totally have a Ferrari. Just sell, like, your house and the kids on eBay and Ferrari. And you'll be living in a car and the police might be called, but you still, you can have that thing. That's fine. So, why you don't deserve everything? I do think particularly we all deserve something. We all deserve some kind of choice, some kind of contentment in our lives. And particularly, one of the best ways to do that is through art. Um, just put your hands up again if you've got artists in the house. Let's see. Good scattering. What kind of stuff do you do, madam? I do pop covers. Oh, beautiful. That's really nice. Pop covers. And you, sir, that's like ops. I teach drama for middle school. <laughs> oh, wow. God bless you, sir. <laughs> It's the one where they act, not the drama they have in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's lovely. Teach another teacher. Miniature painting. Oh, that's like nice. Warhammer and all of that. Okay, so yeah, not kind of painting like tiny portraits. Uh, really uh, small. Some best, some best. <laughs> I've seen some cool stuff, so. That's it. How much one? Quilters, lovely, like what a beautiful range of things that is. If you don't, if you're not someone who's seeing anything like, I don't do any of that stuff, I think we're all creative people one way or another. Like, um, if you're a parent, you're automatically very creative, <laughs> just in terms of the lies that you have to constantly tell. <laughs> like, you, uh, you can't eat this chocolate because it's full of spices and broken glass. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's a oh, that's a lovely picture of a, a horse or bunny. Or like that. Um, now we don't go in the loft, do we? Because that's where Daddy grows his special tomatoes. <laughs> that's why we don't tell our friends about Daddy's special tomatoes either. Do we? <laughs> we all have some kind of creative streak inside of the thing. I think that's very true. And. No matter what your motivation for doing creative stuff is, it's totally worthwhile. Like, no matter what you get out of it. I think there's a real thing at the moment that you are supposed to be doing it for something. Like, if you paint a picture, it's supposed to be shown on the Instagram. Or if you're making some kind of art, like, it's a competitive sport, which I really hate. I think all those sort of panel shows, like, you know, that steampunk one from a while ago, like, <laughs> who's the best steampunk? Who cares? different things out of art and no matter what it is that you're into it for it's worthwhile I think just the process of doing it is success in itself like if success was such a wonderful thing like the traditional model of success of being rich and famous why does Kanye West look like such a miserable bastard all the time? <laughs> <laughs> I wish saying, why are you so cross mate you've done it it's fine you're okay relax um now there's obviously like challenges to making art, and I think this applies to life generally. That probably applies to a lot of your work as well. If you're a grown up in any way, you have those moments. We talked about it briefly yesterday when I did a panel of um, imposter syndrome. 
I'm just a little bad monkey to live in your mind. Saying, you're rubbish at this. You should not be doing it. Whatever it is, you are terrible. You'll never be as good as all of the other people doing the thing. Um, and that can be quite a hard thing to get over. That can be harder than external pressures worrying about what you're supposed to do. Um, but yeah, well, I was thinking, after we chatted about it yesterday, I was thinking one good way to get over the imposter syndrome, um, regardless of what part of your life it's got into, is to make a bit of a deal with the tiny monkeys that live in your mind and just say, look, I know we might be rubbish at this, this might be a terrible thing that we're doing, but let's just hang on. We'll just finish it, and then I'll agree to chat with you, and we'll decide if it's awful. And that sounds a little bit of I think. But often when you've finished the thing, when you've done the thing, you've finished the day's work, when you've done the challenge, or whatever it might be, and you look at it, you're a bit more objective. You can see where it's good or not. And if you're still not sure, you can ask, like a close friend, is this shit? Um, and more often than not, if they're a really close friend, they'll tell you whether it's good or not. And if, it, if it's really rubbish, and they've told you, it probably doesn't matter. End was supposed to go. <laughs> Worth bearing in mind, it's not all gold, though, is it? Um, there's also um, the thing of dealing with sort of criticism of your art. Like, as a, as a middle school teacher, I imagine a lot more criticism than it is art. Must be, you know, you have to be quite thick skinned, don't you? Like, teaching, you know, it can be quite tricky. I read a thing recently where it said that it takes nine compliments to cancel out one insult. And I think that's really true. That's like, that shows how delicate the whole thing is. If you're making something, you get nine people on the internet say it's really great, and one person says, my child can do better than that. You feel awful. Like, oh, God, this is terrible. Like, if at the end of this panel, nine of you come up and say, oh, that was ever so good, I enjoyed that, and one of you comes up and says, well, I think you should have done one of our country spatial films, I'll be weeping underneath that. <laughs> it doesn't take much. We're all quite delicate creatures. You have to kind of like toughen up, I think, for certain extent. There is, um, for anybody who does their, uh, does their art, is there anybody here who does it for fun but would quite like to do it for a living? Is anyone in that kind of category? It's, yeah, it's a really tough transition to make, isn't it? The idea that one day you could kind of make money out of your thing. There's, that's a whole other lengthy talk about different ways that you can get around the system to try and make money out of stuff. Um, but I do think there is, when you're in a day job, like a feeling sometimes of sort of otherness of like, oh, those creative people like my like, they do it for a living, and how do they do it? They're like they've got sort of magic powers. And as someone who's hung out with a lot of creative people who do it for a living, a lot of them quite successful, the only magical power that creative people generally have is the magical power to be completely unemployable in any other job. For <laughs> <laughs> a specialisation. <laughs> it's normally when you have reached the end of your tether. Like, I have been fired from every conceivable job, from toy tester to zookeeper to call centre monkey. I've been fired from so many jobs that I was walking to school the other day with my eldest daughter, and she looked up at me like a child looking up at a war veteran and just said, Daddy, tell me a little more about some of the jobs you've been fired for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, young ones. There are so many and this walk is so short. <laughs> but that's kind of 
kind of all right, even that is okay in itself, because like getting fired from everybody and becoming unemployable meant that I had no choice if I was going to feed my family than to make my creative stuff work. And there's, there's always a huge amount of luck involved in making a creative thing sort of commercial, and anybody who says it was all down to them is lying. Like, there's a certain amount of luck and um, sort of, you know, a very small amount of ability, but having no choice really helps. I have those. Um, Conan O'Brien or people, they, someone asked him, like, how do you become successful creatively? And he said, you just get, in, get into a position in your life where you have no choice. So you work super hard at it. I think that makes a big difference. Um, they, um, when I sort of started rapping, doing the rapping as like a middle class white boy from the countryside, I did struggle a bit because no one really wants that. <laughs> there is zero demand for a middle-aged white English rapper, particularly in England. <laughs> There's loads of them, and we don't, we're not needed. Um, and for ages, I, and like, when I'd rap, I'd put on like, a bit of a London accent, like I was going to smash it and bash it and kick it, and, and, it was, and I'd do like, battle rhymes as well. And then people who weren't in sort of my sort of rap circles would be like, oh, did you really say those things? <laughs> you, couldn't, you couldn't hit a cat. <laughs> um, and all the things that I was really scared of was the idea that I might be found out that I was really sort of middle class and posh <coughs> sounding and white and old. So I developed a character that is specifically all of those things. <laughs> it's me and my absolute worst. It's, it's me when I've had a few drinks, the Professor character. Um, and it just negates that problem. I don't have to worry about that now because I am definitely looking ridiculous and posh and old and as white as white can be. And there's a lot more, I get trouble from other rappers sometimes saying, well, you know, why are you making it into a gimmick? But it's a lot more authentic, I think, than if I tried to be like I was from the streets or put on a different accent, which is very common. The amount of English rappers with American accents. Oh, it's like the worst thing you can do. <laughs> it's the worst, worst thing. Um, so yeah, I would say if you're um, if you are have got ambitions with your creative stuff, um, whatever you, it worries you most about it, try and use that a little bit in your art. It will be different for everybody about how to go. There's a thing that you do making book covers. You think, well, I'm really crappy at making them corners. They are always bad. Then focus on doing that for ages and ages until you're kind of satisfied that you're kind of up to scratch. There's a great Pat and Oswald routine, a whole album of that. Uh, and I, my favourite sentence in the world, that your weakness is strong. And I like that. Your, your weaknesses usually become your strengths when you do arty things. Um, I think there's a bit of a misconception sometimes that if you're making art, it should be some kind of struggle and sort of depressing. Wow, <laughs> 10,000 hours of making this thing. And if it's not fun, you probably shouldn't bother, I reckon. <laughs> Why are you doing it? Like, I mean, obviously, a lot of steampunks here will be in it because of the vast amounts of money in subculture to get as much cash as we can. That's why I became a steampunk rapper, really, for the, for the vast fortune. You're the one who's spending, right? But, um, I lost my train of thought. Um, but we all get into those things for different reasons, and I think getting into, getting into something just for fun rather than to do it for any particular purpose is success in itself. Like there's a lot of successful people, but you know what, a bit like Simon Cowell is a very successful man. Doesn't mean he's not a twat. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I want to be him in any way, shape or form. 
Just doing the thing, you are already a success. You're in, if you're writing poetry, even if you write terrible poetry that no one ever sees except you, but you enjoy the process of writing it, you are a tremendous success in terms of becoming an artist. That's literally all you need to worry about. And if you uh, have, have a thing that you keep to yourself, if you ever do want to get it out into the world, if it's the kind of... You've got a paparazzi. <laughs> continue burning that enthusiasm for doing your thing. It's the same work. You need someone who's on the same level as you. Or just someone to say, look, I've made this thing, and then to have suggestions. And like in the case of me and Tom Caruana, who makes all my music, just having that thing of like, well, we're really enjoying this. So if no one else likes it, it doesn't matter, because this is just our little thing. And as nerds, we're very used to that. Like, all of us nerds have found a thing that's like, well, this is not. You can share it with me, but it's not for them. <laughs> I love that. I really, I love, I, you know, what, they, so what might seem as a bit isolating from the outside world. I really sort of treasure our little sort of subculture sometimes. It really brings us together. Like I got really crossed out. My whole career got into fluctuation a couple of years ago when a Tory MP called Michael Gove, who was in charge of school, horrible man, said in a newspaper interview that he really liked my music. Oh. Even worse, he said he liked Mr. B more than me. Oh, wow. oh. So I was my most hated person's <laughs> second favourite rap. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good day. And I really, with that, I, you know, I spent a lot of time sort of mulling that over and then eventually had a big conversation and got in touch with him and then subsequently said a lot on stage that it's not for him, he's not allowed it. He's not allowed to be involved. <laughs> the Tories, like in our case, the Tories are taking everything, like they can't have steampunk as well. That's our <laughs> It's all right to be a bit protective of your stuff sometimes. So just to kind of conclude in terms of my talking bits, and then we'll hand it over to um, questions and stuff. Um, I think it's important to do art just for the sake of doing it. It's important to do it with as many friends as possible, it's important to do it uh, when it's as much fun as possible, because whether it is to make friends, or for your mental health, or um, just to get yourself a job where instead of performing in a little pub upstairs in Brighton, you can eventually come to a cowboy town and talk to strangers in a church. <laughs> I mean, that is as good as it gets. <laughs> Keep on doing the things that you're doing. Uh, there, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Cheers. <laughs> Uh, does everybody have any questions about things? I'll sort your problems out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't intend for this question to in any way invalidate anything that you just said. Cool, cool. <laughs> have you actually punched space? <laughs> um, well, funny story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I did. I punch is a very strong word, and I don't want to get in trouble with the Galactic Federation. 
of Space Unicorn Protectionists, which is of course the real organisation. <laughs> but there was there was an incident, and I'm not proud of what I did. I didn't know you couldn't ride a space unicorn. I didn't even know there were space unicorns. <laughs> and it turns out there aren't. It was um, a neighbour's dog, and I was very <laughs> And I dropped an ice cream cone, and it had stuck on its forehead. I thought it was a space unicorn, jumped on, wrestled it to the ground, lights came on, neighbours came out shouting, what are you doing, trying to ride this space unicorn, and then the police were called again. So, again. <laughs> So yeah, that's why I'm, I'm not now allowed near dogs within um, the 500 yards, which I don't care. <laughs> Cheers. Any other questions? Yes, sir. So uh, did this go about the way you thought it would? I mean, you changed your uh, changed the topic completely. You think it worked out? <laughs> <laughs> well, until now, yes. <laughs> Incidentally, I did find out yesterday, I thought I'd had a nice time, but apparently it was too short or too long or something, and people complained. So if you enjoyed this panel, please do tell the organisers. Mm -hmm. If you didn't enjoy it, tell me, and I'll go and cry into the water. <laughs> 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 I like it. Yes, what did you teach when you were a teacher? Um, I taught special needs uh, teenagers, so I taught sort of everything to, everything didn't take long, um, to 16 to 19 year olds with quite severe um, special educational needs. Um, and it was my first job as a teacher. And it was quite a rubbish school as well, like in the middle of nowhere where they just put all the naughty kids who'd been chucked out of all the special schools. Um, and they just kind of went, there you go, crack on, we'll see you, see you in September, we'll see you in summer. Um, but it was really creative, it meant that I could make up a syllabus um, and just I realised that they were never going to read and write and do all the traditional stuff, and they were teenagers, so we just, I was like, right, let's learn how to be teenagers, let's have a party! It was really good. <laughs> <laughs> but I learned, but doing that, I'm sure you're exactly the same when it comes to, it gives you all these sort of extra skills you weren't ready for, and teaching special needs is exactly the same skills as performing to a crowd of pissed steampunks. Like, <laughs> 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 like, that's how you can it all in the crowd, man. It's the same thing about the panic for the noise management and all that kind of stuff. Well, George, you know, if I got you on stage tonight, you would probably be kind of all right talking to a large group of people because of all the skills you've got doing teaching. Yeah. It's, a good, it's a good job. Do you still like it? Yes, I do. Correct. <laughs> no, correct. Even with the craziness that's that's going on, mm. my my purpose is like with drama. I also teach language arts, no. but I teach language arts to gifted students. But teaching the drama is the release. Yeah, it's the it's the where. To use your example, where I can use my creativity to have fun even if it's completely rubbish. And, <laughs> and also, it's one of the last places in education where you still have proper creativity as well. You can't strip the creativity out of drama. Like, it has to have a certain amount of improvisation and fun. So, yeah, it's nice. You need, you need a little bit of that, don't you? You have that real look on your face that all parents have when you say, So, do you enjoy being a parent? <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> I suppose I do. <laughs> my, my, my release is 
last class when they've been really getting on my nerves, all of a sudden they pull out the chocolate and let them have all the chocolate they want. I send them home to their parents. Yes, sir. Oh, madam, sorry. Do you have a birthday wrap? What specifically? It's your birthday today. So what is your name? Cameron. Cameron. I have names. Uh, how old are you? 33. 33. That's good. Enjoy these birthdays. Enjoy your 30s. Because people, uh, people generally still give a fuck about your birthday. <laughs> After 40, they will not care. <laughs> like your 40th is the last really good birthday you have as a grown-up director. No one comes to your 43rd birthday. <laughs> I found out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> quick, quick, quick! Who's the moment, Paul? Um, do you want a song? Let's let's. So, um, what what have you have you had any presents for your birthday? Um, coming here. That's nice. Yeah. Did someone buy you? Have like, you come with the crew? No, I just came by myself. I'm from Seattle. So. Oh, that's so nice. That's the, yes. Yeah, And the, the nice thing about that is like, it's like you've come to a ready-made party, isn't it? Basically, we're now all here for you, which is lovely. <laughs> Just arrive and they will come. Okay, so what we're going to do for Cameron's birthday um, is we're going to celebrate it properly. I'm going to give her a sort of introduction, like Glastonbury Festival, Saturday night, the biggest introduction possible. And when I say her name, you are going to make so much noise that we have complaints from all of the other events going on. <laughs> <laughs> and when that reaches its peak, you'll get your birthday wrap. <coughs> okay. Make sure that's actually working. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to this bit of church. <laughs> I think I'm marrying you with you. <laughs> uh, this wonderful woman who has travelled from Seattle with the confidence of someone who knows that just by arriving somewhere, everybody around her will immediately want to party with her. This whole Wild West Con has been completely renamed and changed to the birthday party for the very glorious, the absolutely gorgeous, Cameron! <laughs> You taste it, music is so deserving I ask around, we're all so certain You spend too much time unappreciated Uncelebrated, I'm glad to see you made Birthday, party, we've been free-naked Or it's just Tuesday, your cake's dedicated ball It's got a cherry on top I want everything live and ready to rock Cause I'm always there, I'm your host for the night You'll never be lonely and I'll see you right And I never sleep in this league on the line That's right, Because 
It was a really good way for, I mean, rap is a great way for sort of young, posh kids to rebel <laughs> in a manner that is completely safe. <laughs> so, like, like so many of my before me, got into rapping like the early 90s, did lots of rapping just to my cat and my sister. And then um, it sort of built up, and then I did it in London for a few years and got booed a lot and sort of found struggled with how alpha and male the kind of whole battle world is that could be a bit of a struggle and then i just did this about about 10 years ago someone was putting on like a little novelty variety show and i i borrowed this i borrowed a jacket i still never gave back and bought a bit helmet and just did one sort of novelty song and it was just like you know those moments probably the same for a lot of you when you put your steampunk outfit you go oh yeah that's how i'm supposed to be I'm not my best self, that's great, we kind of sort of found it. So then monetizing it, was and that's the luck bit, like I would have carried on doing it until no one came to watch me, but then the pure luck of steampunk coming along just after I'd started and YouTube not having their algorithm sorted, so I just ended up on the front page of YouTube for like one day, um, <laughs> by accident. And that enabled this whole thing to happen, so there's definitely an element of, you know, a huge chance of in there. But fingers crossed, I could just keep doing it forever. So we've got nothing else. Yes? I'm, I'm sure you've received this question many, many times, but yeah. I've never heard your answer for it. So. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's new. It's not fresh. When you uh, started out in rap, were there any particular rappers who inspired you? Oh, yeah, lots. I was really, you know, that's the thing. There aren't a lot of nerds who like rap, but because I am a nerdy like rap, inevitably you, you like all of it. You kind of consume like with all the nerdy things we like, like comics and sci-fi. So yeah, I like every conceivable punk part of it, but things like Tribal Quest and Dead Up Soul, and actually The Fresh Prince. You know, like, I started liking it around sort of 1989. The Fresh Prince was the only rapper at the time who it seemed like was talking about everyday mundane things. You might be making kind of cheesy pop songs for kids, but I was a kid liking cheesy pop songs. Nice. So that was a big that was a big inspiration. Just that rap used to be a lot sillier than it is now. Something happened along the way. Like there used to be like guys with big fake gold noses and there was a British rapper who just always wore a swimming cap in the eighties. Nobody knew why. I like that. That keeps it a bit interesting. It's fine if people have had hard lives and they need a means to tell it. That's you know, obviously that's what it's originally there for as well. But it should be about having a bit of a laugh sometimes. But there's still good stuff out there. We were talking about it yesterday. Um, there's lots of there's lots of good rappers. There's a guy called Disraeli who I really love, and my producer Tom Caravana does. He makes loads of music and just puts it out for free. So if you ever want to try and dig around looking for unusual rap that you won't hate, I still my Patreon as well just to be like a self awful, awful self plugging man. But one of the things I do every month is give people a mix collection of different songs that they might not have heard. So I put a lot of new rap on there. Why does your flower say that? So I've got a question for you. I'm sorry, I just don't, I only just noticed it and I couldn't let it go on. Okay, Riddler. How am I going to solve this particular crime? Oh, my God. It's an easy one. <laughs> I'm not very clever, help me. really fast. 
Bound, bound. How was the transition from being MC Elemental to Professor Elemental? I mean, you kept that the Elemental name. Yeah. Like, how was that transition? Like moving away from, as you said, the you know suburban like pop rapper into this overly you know like dramatized sort of character. Like, what? How, how was that transition? Like moving away from that. Yeah, it was good. It was a bit like it's a bit like not to cheap what other people go through, but it's. I imagine it like a much lighter version of deciding to come out as gay or trans in that thing of like having a few false starts and having to sort of tell people that this new thing that you were trying out and then sort of tentatively going out in a persona you felt comfortable in and go, oh yeah, actually this is me and, it's fun. and actually okay. people quite like it. So it's, yeah, I mean, it, it took a little while, but then of course, as soon as you start doing it in this, you suddenly find your tribe, and that's the, just like, how nice is that? How nice is it that you can come from Seattle, something like this, and know that you'll find loads of cool people, and everyone will be really nice. That's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. So I think finding your tribe really helps. Is, yeah, and steampunk is the nicest tribe. Without that. <laughs> so uh, I know you used to be an English teacher, right? Mm, yeah, a bit of everything. So how does that help you with your rapping? Because I know there's a couple of comedians I know who who basically went into comedy before they even uh, graduated out of high school, and they find that they find themselves actually taking English courses to become better. Oh, that's I was wondering how is that really helped you a lot. Yeah, but like we were saying earlier, it helps a lot with the sort of crowd control side of things in terms of you know the actual teaching aspect. In terms of the English, not so much, but I'm sure the same with most creative people. It's, it's all the stuff you consume that you then kind of turn into your own ideas. Like I'm a great believer that it's all right to nick and borrow and reinterpret and you know play with other people's ideas because that's what all artists do. Like Neil Gaiman's my favourite writer in the whole world. I love Neil Gaiman, but most of his stories are at least partially nicked off something else, aren't they? He's always nicking stuff off people, but he does such a good job of like tarting it up and making it look lovely. It's fine. <laughs> so I think, um, yeah, I think what probably what the stuff I read influenced me more than the sort of educational side of it. I do do rap workshops though sometimes. Yeah, two girls. Um, who would be your top three of the people that you'd like to work with? <laughs> top three of people I'd like to work with? Uh, probably old school, three old school rappers I reckon. I'd just be, that would be one, the little sort of, there's always that thing, isn't there, where you get something that you're into as a kid, that if you could bring that back, a 12-year-old would be so excited. So probably Slick Rick, Grand Puba, and Big Daddy K would be my three favourite rappers to really get down with. That'd be amazing. But there are, I'm lucky, they're bright and so full of weirdos. Town of Living is just full of absolute lunatics. And it is one of the, there's a little, there's a little pocket of rappers who are really odd. Um, and I've got some work with them and that makes me happy. Like I did a song, did a song a couple of years ago, two rapper friends of mine, and my, my mate John said, let's do a song about graveyards. I was like, yeah, that's a great concept, graveyards. And she's like, come around your house, we'll write it. It's like, no, we're going to meet in a graveyard around the back of my house at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> do we have to do that? <laughs> I mean, I can imagine a graveyard and write down what I think about it. I'm like, no, we've got to break in. So we have to break in. <laughs> <laughs> But that was lovely, I could have never have done that on photo and so yeah, collaboration is the key, as long as you don't get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sorry again. No, uh, sure. Are you gonna do anything more with the uh, gaslight troubadours? Yeah, definitely. I was Oh man, the, um, I did a song on their new album, which is really, really good fun. And they just, yeah, the Gaslight Troubadours are a steampunk band uh, who do kind of like 
sort of like electro swing, but not shit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, like a little bit darker, a little bit sort of earthier. A, a friend of mine sings with them as well, and she's like, you know, those women who are just so powerful, you're just like in awe of. She like comes and strides on stage, um, and is amazing. So yeah, I'm definitely gonna do stuff with them. Actually, you should get them for this event because they will check them out to get like Dreamer do also. They love me. Yes, sir. What kind of things do you avoid in order to protect your creativity? My children. Because <laughs> that's the worst thing, isn't it? If you work hard, and that's what I notice with Americans generally, you all work really hard, like much harder than I could never dream. And I sort of admire it and sort of wonder at it at the same time. But if you're doing if you're feeding a family and you've got a proper job and you just have to pay the rent. Get home after doing whatever you're doing, and then you go, No, I should paint a picture. It's not on the cards, is it? <laughs> so, work is really like the enemy of creative stuff. And I, I did, when I was not sure how to get the balance right, if you're starting to make some money out of your creative thing, it's worth making the jump and going, Right, let's see if I can do it just purely with creativity, because that time and not having work as a pressure is lovely. And there's always, I used to worry, like, Oh, what would I do if I fail? You just go back to another shit job that you hated. <laughs> There's loads of them, you just go back to another one. So it's a waste, but it's not really any risk involved. Okay, that seems very nice, doesn't it? Don't like it? Well, I was wondering if you'd ever uh, thought about putting together something as ambitious as, like a steampunk Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm going I'm to do a similarish thing. The next album is going to be a huge sort of superhero epic. Um, and I'm going to try and get all of the other steampunk bands to have big cameos in there and um, try and at least do that kind of thing um, recorded. But the problem with doing it as a stage show, wonderful as it would be, is at the level that I'm operating on, the expense and the organisation would mean you'd need to spend all of your time doing it. And I've got no financial backing as well, so the difference between turning up and going, hey, I'm doing a show, see you later, bye, take your money, go. Like, that's a lot easier than putting on an enormous musical. <laughs> so, I like the idea, but I don't think they get to. Yes? What do your kids think of your profession? <laughs> <laughs> it's worse than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I think there's moments where they're sort of secretly proud. Like, when I've done voices for like Disney cartoons and stuff, they like that. But they generally... Really, really embarrassing. Like the most embarrassing dad. Like all kids are embarrassed by their dad, but not like me. <laughs> I came, they, they, they had a thing where they said, Oh, will you come and talk to the kids about what it is you do for a living in the assembly? And I said, oh, I'd love to. And I came in with a professor outfit. And I sat in the staff room and I just heard this doom on the window. Doof, doof. And it was the window to the playground. And my seven year old had got all of her friends to write post-it notes saying things like, Alice's dad, do not do a rap. You are embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd be proud. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's being a parent, isn't it? The moment you become a parent, you are no longer cool ever again. And that, you just embrace that, I think. Like, I was a good dancer. I, I know I was a good dancer until I became a dad. And now I just dance, I dance like every dad in the world. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> anyway, that's not. Lovely, that seems nice. I'm going to finish on a tune if we've got time. One last little tune. Because it seems. Oh, I've got loads of time. Shit. 
Lock the doors. We can't have this situation anymore. We can do the merch thing. Come in, I'll do a song for you. It's going to be really quick. Come in for like a three minute song and then leave. <laughs> Get down there. So, just to finish things off, you probably won't be able to hear the music very much, um, but this is a song I wrote as Elemental rather than as Professor Elemental. I do still do stuff like that sometimes with another rapper called Dr. Syntax, uh, and it's called Make Good Art, my advice to all artists. Apologies to me for being Don't worry about the outcome. If someone's ever better or you'll ever be outdone, someone is. So it doesn't matter and I never ever wonder if there's other better rappers. So many fears knock in to get in. Say hello and then put them in the bin. Now sit down, you've got work to do. Who's gonna get this done if not you? Let's get scribbling, doodling, writing, removing, fiddling, giggling, improving. Open your head like a cane with a lid. Unleash imagination, your brain's so big. Ideas fly like flocks of birds. Colourful explosions of possible words. Use what you want, then set them free. And be the best you that you could ever be. So, what's my driving for? What I'm living, what I'm breathing and surviving for? I've got to make that art and make it good. See, my outlook is that, and that's the way it should be. Put your hands up, put your hands up, just like get your hands up. I'm gonna make that art and make it good. See my outlook is that and that's the way it should be. Finally, a word on biting. MCs pretend that we don't win writing. That's all nonsense, of course we do. All artists do it and so should you. This idea is what Mr. Game and gave me. This flows from what a million MCs made me. That's all fine because I made it my own and I made it for you. So take the throne, use what you want, disregard the rest. Creating a thing is a starting step. Collaboration, not competitive sport. And don't let them tell you you can never be taught. You just practice self-belief. A little validation and well, let's see. It's something wonderful just to have fun with it. Pick up the pen and then run with it. Come get it. Put your hands up. Get your hands in the sky. Put your hands up. I've got to make that art and make it good. See my outlook is that and that's the way it should be. Keep your hands up. In this funny little track, keep your hands up. I've got to make that art and make it good. See my outlook is that and that's the way it should be. Thank you. <laughs> Hi guys, if you're a fan of reading like I am and you've been looking to try out audible.com for audiobooks, we have a link for a free 30-day trial. So go ahead and check out audibletrial.com slash creative plan podcast network. That's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E. T-R-I-A-L dot com slash creative play and podcast network. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the creative play and podcast network and feel free to enjoy our other shows such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Scion Ragnarok and Roll a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening.